Welcome to the Innovation Drivers Podcast, where Canada's top technology leaders discuss ideas, successes, and challenges that are creating a better future. Brought to you by the CIO Association of Canada, in partnership with the Business Leadership Podcast Series. Hey there, thank you for joining us on our first episode of the Innovation Drivers Podcast. I am your co-host, Edwin Frondozo. And I am Hamza. We are so glad, so grateful for you to join us today. Hamza, how are you feeling about this episode? Uh, this is great, you know, being our, our first episode uh, for the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Uh, you know, we're, we're pleased and honored to be able to have Minister Baines on today. Yeah, Minister Baines, for those who are joining us within Canada or outside of Canada, he is the Honorable Minister Baines. He is the Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, and we were so lucky to have him join us. We we went over a number of topics, right, Hamza? And I think it went over a big breadth of information, but a lot of takeaways for me and for those who are interested is just how much pride I have in the sense that being a Canadian tech leader and the things that we're going through, right? And and have to support us. Well, it's been great. And, and Mr. Baines has done such an incredible job for our country on the on the global stage, you know, where, where Canada really hasn't had a formal innovation policy in the last two decades. And uh, with his leadership uh, to be able to build that and to be able to drive uh, growth of Canadian innovation in the global ecosystem uh, has just been incredible to watch. Yeah, and one thing he does mention amongst other initiatives that he's doing is specifically around the global skills strategy um, and how Canada is able to attract a lot of the talent to Canada. And there, there are a number of things, and we'll just leave it for the conversation, eh, Hamza? And we'll, we'll make sure that... <laughs> exactly. We're so so excited to have this have this podcast with you, Hamza, and I'm super excited and grateful for that. But Hamza, if if you're ready, you know, let's just get to our conversation. Let's go. Welcome to Innovation Drivers, Nev. Uh, glad to be on. Thanks very much for having me. Well, first off, Hamza and I are super excited to have you on our first episode of this brand new show and before getting in i just maybe if you could perhaps i know we did a whole intro before we started but maybe if you could tell the audience who you are when you're not leading innovation uh in canada well you know i i consider myself to be a very proud canadian very fortunate to be in this country and and i share that story because i'm often reminded when i speak to my father on a regular basis uh he tells me uh, about his personal journey of coming to canada in 1972 with literally five dollars in his pocket and he says uh you know you're in a very unique position where you live in the best country and just work hard so i come from that immigrant mindset uh you know the, you got to work hard roll up your sleeves take nothing for granted uh, and I'm reminded on a daily basis uh, uh, by my father and by my mother. Awesome. What do you What do you do when you're not, I guess, reflecting or moving things forward, like on your spare time? So I'm blessed uh, to have two young girls. Uh, I got a 12 year old and a nine year old. Uh, Nanki is 12, and uh, Kirpa is nine years old. So two girls. 
And uh, they keep me busy. They're just very dynamic young ladies. Uh, my younger one's into wrestling. She loves the WWE. Oh no way! Yeah, so she's uh, <laughs> so she's got this you know belt at home that uh, uh, that uh, she walks around with. Uh, she's got a lot of swagger, and she's into basketball as well. So I take her to basketball games on the weekend to play in a league. And my older daughter, she's into writing. She's a really gifted writer, and so she writes a lot of poems and started her own book. And so I spend a lot of time with them, and my wife and I spend a lot of time with them. And uh, I watch a lot of sports, and uh, I've been closely watching our beloved Toronto Raptors. And it's fun to see uh, their win streak. And I don't want to jinx it, so I hope they continue to uh, win uh, many, many more games. Awesome. So why don't we just jump right in, Nav? Can you tell us why you think innovation matters? Uh, it's about it's about a better quality of life. Uh, going back to my father's story, he came to Canada because he left this really small, remote village uh, in India, in the state of Rajasthan, because he lacked opportunities. And he decided to come to Canada because he was afforded those opportunities. And so that's what innovation is about. It's about how do you challenge the status quo? How do you solve problems? How do you uh, get better outcomes? And uh, we're trying really hard uh, through government policy and programs to create a culture of innovation because uh, we are live in the best country. But if we want to sustain that quality and that standard of living for a long period of time, we need to innovate. We need to rethink. We need to challenge ourselves. We need to challenge uh, the environment around us. Uh, and so you need to have a mindset for that. And so innovation is really about a mindset. And it's about creating that culture uh, that really uh, creates opportunities for people. Now, you know, at, um, CI at the CIO Association of Canada, we have over 450 um, you know, C-level VPs of, of IT and technology, directors of IT and technology, but people that are driving the innovation agenda across the country and spending money and really helping the business ecosystem move forward across the country. Um, you've done such incredible work over the last several years from an innovation standpoint. Uh, for the whole of Canada. What's the new approach to innovation policy in Canada as you look forward? I think if you take a step back, uh, Canada hasn't really had a significant set of innovation policies in the last two decades. And so when we formed government in 2015, we were dealing as a country with some challenges around growth and job creation. And going back to my earlier point about creating opportunities, we realized if we made a big bet on innovation uh, that uh, we would see more jobs created and more growth. And that's exactly what's happened. And uh, so that's really been the focal point uh, is how do we put forward a comprehensive agenda? How do we create partnerships uh, with the private sector? Because it's not about government alone. Mm -hmm. And how do we create conditions for success for people to succeed and uh and that's really been at the heart of our innovation plan. It's about innovation and skills. It's about focusing on people. Uh, and uh, if you look at all the major economic you know, factors and outlook uh, pertaining to Canada's progress going forward, it all talks about a robust uh, talent policy, immigration policy, educational institutions. I think that's what really our focus has been and will continue to be. Uh, it, it's really interesting, and I just wanted to talk about the culture of innovation and moving things forward and within the news and outside looking in, it sounds like the work that was started in 2015 is working because we're seeing and hearing a lot of multinational companies setting up shop here. Is this has to do, do you see that as a reflection of some of the changes and policies that was put in place to 
to change that or was it other things that was just happening and it was just bound to happen? So you're right. We, it, it is exciting to see major global players setting up a shop here in Canada, investing in research and development in Canada. But we can't underscore the importance of seeing Canadian companies staying here as well and scaling and growing in Canada. So we really created this incredible ecosystem of both international players coming in, investing in Canada and Canadian companies, uh, really investing in, in, in scaling, as I said. And, and I think that fundamentally speaks to the value proposition, which is, uh, our progressive immigration policies as one example. Uh, one of the things we're really proud of is that we're open as a country. We're a country of 37 million people and we recognize if we want to succeed, we got to be open. And so we're open to ideas. We're open to, to people. And one uh, particular program that I'm very proud of that we've now made a permanent feature as a policy of ours is the global skill strategy. And this essentially says, look, if you're a Canadian company or an international company and you are looking for talent and you're unable to identify that talent within the Canadian uh, labor market, uh, you can attract uh, people from around the world and get them processed through the visa, uh, get them a visa in two weeks. And so this visa processing time of two weeks is a game changer. And this global skill strategy is really good because not only does it allow companies to access global talent, but for every one visa that we've issued, it creates 10 Canadian jobs. Wow. So I think that has Amazing. been a real special uh, in terms of, of the investments we've seen. Uh, when you talk to companies, often they, they, they cite our open uh, immigration policies as a key reason for their growth in Canada. And where do, you, where do you see the the talent pipeline going over the next couple of years as the rate of innovation increases and more companies are investing actively? We're so blessed and lucky in Canada to have this amazing innovation talent and a pipeline of, of people that can actually move organizations forward with uh, some of the policies that are being put into place. Uh, how do you see that expanding over the next couple of years? I think the challenge for us is the, to keep up with the transition. Uh, there's so much transition occurring in the new companies that are emerging, but also in some of the traditional sectors as well. So you're seeing a lot of innovation in agriculture and mining and forestry. Mm -hmm. uh, even this week, I'm in the auto show here. It's about connected and autonomous vehicles. It's about software power. So right. all these all these companies are transitioning significantly. And so we as a government recognize that, and we've invested a lot in reskilling and upskilling looking at uh, providing mid-career opportunities to individuals through grants and interest-free loans so they can continue to work and also go to school mm -hmm. to acquire the new digital skills that may, mm -hmm. they may need as they transition to new opportunities. Uh, and I think that's where a significant opportunity, uh, that, those are, are, that's an area where there's tremendous opportunities and also our indigenous population. Uh, it's a young and vibrant population. It's over a million people. So we've invested a lot in education within our indigenous communities as well. So we feel a combination of upskilling and reskilling and targeting some of those communities that have been marginalized in the past will enable us to keep up with the technological change that's occurring and the transformation that's occurring right across the country in every sector. That's amazing. Um, I work with... Startup Canada, which is an ecosystem builder across Canada that leverages, I guess, entrepreneurship. And I'm wondering when it comes to the policy and some of the innovation or or how to effectively build a nation of in innovators, how do you see, I guess, grassroots organizations like that help with the overall strategy that, that's 
that you know trying to put Canada as this uh, nation of innovators. You know, we're very proud of the fact that Canada. Uh, and many of the companies in Canada represent small and medium-sized businesses, the backbone of our economy. Mm -hmm. We've got some big players, but it's the SMEs that really create jobs and opportunities as well, particularly in some of our rural and remote communities. And so it's a point of pride to see the startup uh, ecosystem in Canada. And I think that's all we have to do is focus on how do we have government programs and policies to create the conditions for startups to succeed uh, how do we provide nimbleness to people to work remotely and start up their business if they're in rural and remote communities as well? Because there's a digital divide issue. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we've focused a lot of efforts on is connectivity. And uh, we talk a lot about investments in infrastructure, but what about digital infrastructure that businesses need, especially if they want to go online and, and deal with e-commerce and opportunities of that nature? So. We've invested uh, over $500 million through a Connect to Innovate program, and we've leveraged that partnership with the private sector uh, for over a billion dollars uh, that has invested in high-speed internet connectivity for over 900 communities. And so you can imagine now what that means for the, the startup community and the small business, particularly in rural parts of Canada. Mm -hmm. And so we're very excited about that as well. And so those are the kinds of examples of how we're focusing on the startup community and small businesses to give them the tools and also deal with some of these uh, challenges within urban, rural, urban, uh, rural divide that uh, exists not only in Canada, but globally as well. And now as from, um, from a technology leadership perspective across the country, what, what advice would you give to CIOs and technology decision makers as we look to continue to grow Canada on the global stage? We've got talent here. We have investment. We have leadership through some of the work that you've done, uh, you know, to set up the environment for success. What advice would you give those technology decision makers now uh, in terms of thinking about the, the short term and what they can do to, to help to continue to propel the country from an innovation standpoint? I think they should uh, not hesitate to share their success stories. Uh, we talked about this before. We, when you want to create a culture of innovation, you want stories to be told of successful individuals who... And I start off with my father's example, right. and we, we talk about the immigrant success mm -hmm. story. But what about the innovation success stories? They got to be top of mind, tip of tongue uh, when it comes to Canadians. And I think there's so many stories out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one area. And the other area is just keep on investing in people. Um, I think the challenge, particularly with smaller smaller businesses in the startup community is that they're afraid to sometimes make investments in helping people with upskilling and reskilling because they're worried that someone else may take them. Mm -hmm. But if you, if everyone makes significant investments and the government steps up as mm -hmm. well, then you'll have this big pool of talent to pick from, you know, and people are going to be moving and shifting and that's the nature of, of, of the labor market. But you got to invest in people. And I think the successful companies that are really transforming quickly are have continue to make significant investments and it's not only the right thing to do but it's the only way they can remain competitive uh in the medium and long term you know part of the reason uh we created in the innovation drivers podcast is exactly to your point is to tell these great canadian innovation stories so throughout the rest of the series for these podcasts our listeners are going to be, be able to hear about uh, great entrepreneurs leaders that are actually making a tangible difference uh, in the country. So great example on that one. Yeah, I just think on that point very quickly, there was the Global uh, Clean Tech Innovation Index that identified 12 Canadian companies out of the top 100. 
And as we transition mm-hmm. to the low carbon economy, that's a huge point huge. of pride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's companies like Carbon Capture, for example, uh, and Carbon Cure, for example, that are have been identified. So we're going to talk about those yeah. stories yeah. and how they're helping create jobs and also reducing our uh, footprint when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions. And that story should be again highlighted by governments, by the private sector, uh, by the media, etc. I think uh, now we probably just quickly touched upon it, but I'm wondering from your point of view and sort of the scope that you get to see across Canada is you could share what some of the current opportunities, some quick wins for um, for some of them leaders to do right right now today, like for those who are listening right now and they're going to work and they're like, you know what? I heard Nav speak. I need to just make yeah, that Yeah, there's change literally right some now. people that are on the drive to work right now listening to this <laughs> podcast. So what do you want them to do when they get to their office in like 15 or 20 minutes? Well, look, we're in a knowledge economy. And I think when you look at our, our major market to the U.S., if you look at the S&P 500, mm-hmm. 80% of the asset valuation of those companies is attributed to intangible assets. And in Canada, if you look at the TSX, uh, the top 50, only 40% of the uh, assets are attributed to, uh, to intangible assets. So we got to up our game on intellectual property. Uh, we never had an uh, intellectual property strategy. We as a government presented one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said we got to step up in this area, particularly again, focusing on smaller businesses. Only 10% of them had an IP strategy. Uh, only 10% of them had patents and that's got to change. And so uh, as we move forward and you have great ideas and you have great solutions, and again, it's not only about the product, but also the process, any kind of innovation that you have within your organization, you should, you should articulate as part of your overall corporate strategy and, and, your, and your tactics. And as you move forward, the importance of uh, intellectual property. I think this is a, an area where we are falling behind. And we got to step up. And uh, we as a government have invested uh, $85 million for our IP strategy. We put together a patent collective uh, to help uh, businesses uh, deal with bad actors, what we call trolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we changed, made changes to the IP laws so there's more clarity around demand letters. When you get those trolls that come with demand letters and say, look, we, we want to extract money or, or eventually get your IP. Um, and we spent a lot of money on IP literacy. Uh, through our academic institutions to help a lot of these startups and, and small businesses. So that's one area where I feel there's a lot of room for us to grow. And, and uh, that would be one area that I would definitely share as a priority area for small businesses in particular. Well, I love, I love hearing that for one, um, <laughs> could, I could age myself here, but I worked for a global tech organization 20 years ago, Nortel Networks, Canadian. Um, I'm super proud. My, my, my tech business is in telecom, but I, I know a lot of the IP and the patents that Nortel held was all Canadian. It was a billion dollars worth. And stuff. That's right. So this was really great to hear because I think we lost a lot of Canadian intellectual property because of the fallout there. Yeah, we've made significant investments as a government in science and the minister responsible for science. So we've uh, you know, we have uh, 0.5% of the world's population, over 2% of the publications, mm-hmm. and people are proud of that. But what are the economic benefits? Mm-hmm. What are the benefits to society? As I said earlier on, when it comes to innovation, and how do we how do we see those benefits here in Canada? So how do we generate the IP in Canada, and how does that benefit Canadians? And that's something that we're really focused on. You know, as, as Canadians, we're uh, you know we're we're risk averse, right? Um, more so than. Um, maybe some other uh, parts of the world. Um, how, how do we 
go from low risk to calculated risk because innovation requires more risk, right? It requires for somebody, a leader to step out front and, and move forward with a great idea, pilot something, try something, speak to a board about maybe getting some funding to be able to, to run an innovation area of their business. What advice would you have for leaders to be able to take that step to get more calculated risk to maybe step out of that uh, comfort zone a little bit more? Cause it is risky. Well, we have created the conditions uh, for businesses to take risks. Uh, you need the right talent, and we've talked extensively about that. You need the right access to capital. Uh, we right now are very fortunate that we've identified all the gaps in capital that exist. Uh, if you look at venture capital financing, Canada last year, uh, it was at 3.5 billion U.S. dollars, which was a 35% increase from the previous year. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, I think it's going to exceed our 2000 levels, uh, the record that we had in 2000 as the highest level of VC financing, especially late stage. So we've got the capital piece, right? It, it's just, I think we we have all the right ing ingredients. It's just now a leadership issue. Mm -hmm. And the, the level of ambition has got to be there. And one of the things we're really proud of is that uh, this report came out, the Narwhal report, right? and identified 42 Canadian companies that are on their way to become unicorns, uh, billion-dollar valuations. And so that is a reflection of the right talent and capital, but also leadership now that are making the big bets, that are taking more calculated risks, as you said. Mm -hmm. and, and we're starting to see companies scale. And we're going to have failures. Right, of course. But the trick is fail fast. Fail fast, yeah. learn from it, right? That's right. Fail yeah. fast, learn fast. Yeah. And uh, so I am confident that we've got the right conditions uh, it's just now uh, up, up, up to the CEOs to step up, uh, the C-suite and co-founders uh, to step up and, and, and uh, make the big bets. Um, we talked about a lot of programs and initiatives that are, are supporting innovation, businesses, some of these new programs that, that are coming out. Where I know when I work with a lot of startups and entrepreneurs at this point, it's 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 sometimes impossible. They think it's impossible to find information. And I know there's a lot of work coming into streamlining this now within the government because I've seen a lot of some of the platforms that are coming out there. But and and we'll post a lot of this on on the episode page. But for those who are listening, where does one really start looking for information? Um, depending on specific things, whether it's like um, some of this intellectual property protection or or things that we're talking about now. Is there, is there like a one-stop shop? Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, this is a constant irritant uh, for many uh, businesses uh, who try to navigate government and trying to figure out where to go and, and how to get access to information. Uh, we have created a one-stop shop called innovationcanada.ca, and the purpose is to have everything there to, to streamline the process. So I strongly recommend the uh, listeners to go there. Um, and, and I tried it, yeah. actually. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's supposed to be very user-friendly. <laughs> yeah, I tried it, yeah. We spent a lot of uh, time and energy making it user-friendly, so I appreciate the feedback. Yeah. But we endeavored to do better, so constantly give us that feedback, and mm -hmm. we'll continue to make changes. But that was the objective, was to have that one go-to place uh, for businesses, particularly smaller businesses. Very cool. Um, I have a question just around collaboration. I mean, we're uh, we're a great country of, of collaborators in so many different things. Um 
uh, when you think about technology collaboration, you know, part of the work we do at the CIO Association with our multiple chapters across the country is so, you know, somebody working in a retail uh, technology job can actually call somebody in the automotive sector and say, I'm having this challenge. What do you think? How are you solving it in a completely different sector? How can we do more of that? And and what part of the innovation equation do you think that um, that sort of creates? Because, you know, I firmly believe that without that collaboration and learning from other industries that are completely maybe unlike yours, it's hard to take yourself out of the box that you may live in, um, in your own industry or in your own world. Do you think we do enough of collaboration on the tech side? I think with the population of 37 million people, uh, we're in a really unique position to leverage that collaboration you talk about. If you look at academic institutions, they're really changing the way they're orienting themselves. You're seeing a lot of more common space between where you have engineering students and law students and business students and computer science students working together right. on projects. Mm-hmm. And so they're promoting more collaboration, more multidisciplinary initiatives. And so we try to emulate that with our industrial policy, uh, the Innovation and Skills Plan. And one of the uh, initiatives we put forward are super clusters. Right. And the idea is how do you get people from different industries uh, to come together and say, we have this common challenge. And how can we work together on the common solution, share the IP, share the data, uh, and share the learnings? And that's where the magic actually yeah, happens. That's great, yeah. Uh, you know, where you look at, for example, the aerospace and automotive sector, when they work together, they realize they can do a lot more sure. uh, on the material side and light weighting and what that means for their efficiency of their product and what that means for the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And those solutions are coming about because they're collaborating more. Because otherwise, you're competing with your competitors within that sector right. and your focus on what they're doing. But now, if you look at other industries and other sectors and you realize they have some similar challenges, and if you're able to work together, it's pretty special what you can do. Mm. Um, and so that's what one of the objectives behind the Super Cluster Initiative was to bring people from different backgrounds together. Uh, and it's exciting because, as I said, the IP that's being generated is positive, the jobs that are being created yeah, are important, uh, but it is really the key, key element is collaboration. Mm. Um, I, I mean, we're having an amazing conversation. I'm sure we could probably geek out all all day. Um, but now I'm wondering, before we end, I'd love to get some final thoughts. And I mean, you shared amazing insights for the business leaders, the tech leaders to focus on, where to grow, ensuring that we're providing key people with, with skills or an upskilling or shifting and moving towards the trends. But... If you could share any final thoughts, observations, sometimes some type of call to action. I mean, we as business leaders, tech leaders, we're looking to you so we can line up as well. So what what can you share with us today to get us through our day? <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, the level of ambition I talked about, but one area where I think we have a really unique opportunity in Canada, and it's part of uh, my personal objective going forward as we build on this innovation and skills plan is that, Regardless of what region you're from or what sector you represent, if you're a startup or a large company, primarily becoming data-related companies. It's all data-driven. And there's so many opportunities with data, using real-time data, um, helping data to uh, become more efficient, provide better outcomes for your customers, uh, using data in a way to monetize it, to get better value for your data. Um, and so we think there's enormous potential in this area. Um, and we as a government are going to be updating our data and digital laws 
going forward. And so this is something that I would say to the listeners is uh, really reevaluate your data strategies mm -hmm. and really assess what data you have. How do you collect it? How do you use it? And then, of course, this feeds into artificial intelligence and so many other opportunities. But this is an area where there's enormous potential. And I've got a vision for Canada to be, uh, you know, what Switzerland was to financial services. I want Canada to be like that when it comes to data. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're really excited about the fact that if we create the laws to deal with the issues around trust and privacy, that uh, companies can really take advantage of it, become more competitive and grow and scale here in Canada. That's fantastic. Um, I have maybe a final question for you. It's uh, 2020, which is mind-blowing, right? 2020. Oh, tell me, the gray hairs. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were supposed to have uh, hoverboards, and we were also <laughs> supposed to have flying cars, none of which have come up, but lots of incredible technology that's out there. Um, when you think about AI and machine learning and self-driving cars are, that's right. are here, and that's, uh, that's pretty remarkable. What are you most excited about from a technology standpoint um, in terms of what you're seeing that people can start to harness? What do you think is going to shape the next several years? So I see a lot of potential. And again, this is a bias from being the minister responsible for industry as well and working very closely with the telecommunication companies. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of potential with 5G. And I think that that's a game changer in terms of the latency issues, uh, the, the amount of data, and then all the sensors uh, and, and interconnected devices and what that means to reshaping our communities, reshaping our workplaces, how we learn. I see a lot of potential with that. And if we deploy that in a thoughtful way, mm -hmm. I think that'll create enormous opportunities when it comes to innovation and jobs. Amazing. Well, this has been absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Uh, glad to be uh, on and, uh, and call me anytime. Thanks so much. Thank and you. I would also add in uh, um, on behalf of uh, hundreds of CIOs and technology leaders across the country, thank you for the work that you've done for our country, for all of our industries. Uh, and we're really excited to create the future with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was an honor. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining us on our first episode of the Innovation Drivers podcast with the Honorable Minister Baines. Yeah, what a great conversation that was. It was uh, it, it was incredible to hear you know his insight and uh, how to challenge the status quo, how to solve problems and get better outcomes, and how you know so many leaders across our country have been you know harnessing some of these ideas and and driving innovation not only for their for their companies but um, making our economy better as a result. Yeah, and you know what was really interesting to me, Hamza, is yeah. when Minister Baines was talking about how almost for two decades, Canada didn't even have an innovation policy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with this focus around innovation, it just it's just nice to see how Canada is moving up in the world stage because of these, I wouldn't say simple, but these pillars that he's implemented within the or uh, within the country to really focus on innovation from Canada and outside of Canada right and to bring them here yeah it was interesting as well as as this was this was an episode pre-pandemic and how Minister Bates talked about doubling down on entrepreneurs and uh, you know that's great insight because coming out of the pandemic you know that's even more important and uh, more inspiring to hear uh, for everybody doing incredible work across Canada. No, that was great, man. I, I mean, if this is just, uh, you know, 
the tip of the iceberg, Hamza, for our for this um, for this series for the Innovation Drivers Podcast. I'm super excited. I'm super happy to be collaborating with you, Hamza. Me too. Um, me too. <laughs> but uh, for more information about Minister Baines, um, what he's working on within the Government of Canada, within the innovation policies, please do check out our show notes. And for more information on the CIO Association of Canada, please go to ciocan.ca to learn more. And Hums and I would appreciate some love. If you did find any value on our first episode, please do subscribe, rate, and comment on your yeah. favorite podcast player. Hamza, again, it's been a pleasure, and I, I'm super excited. I look forward to the next conversation. For those listening, thank you again. And for everybody listening to our podcast out there today, go get your day. <laughs>